Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. For BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years in the tyre industry. BF Goodrich will be there to drive you on your next on or off-road adventure. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. And let's get straight in to your weekend fishing because the chase for SBT, Southern Bluefin Tuna, is on. We're seeing really good numbers right down the southern part of New South Wales and certainly into Victoria at the moment and different parts uh, of South Australia. Redmond, you started off the week. Let's head to, I think it was Wednesday. I'm buggered. You you were very flat Wednesday when we spoke. Um, you spent the day chasing tuna and you didn't land a fish and your sounder was lit up like a Christmas tree. I'm absolutely buggered, Pat. I've been going that hard on the water from diving to chasing tuna to whiting to squid to gummies. I have been going that hard, running on very limited sleep. Kari's been great, looking after Finn during the night, which is always handy. But... I you are. Going, hang on. Oh, geez, I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> Carrie's got Finn every night. And no, just... Finn sleeps all night. He's great. He's an easy, but she's got the easy job. <laughs> Don't tell her I said that. No, it's, uh, yes, you are right. Wednesday was a miserable day for myself. Uh, we caught up during the week, and safe to say, I had the sads. <laughs> I uh, was very well, you frustrated. Said you, you said you'd, you'd done 82Ks. 82Ks in my boat. It's actually 84. Fish. 84 kilometres in the boat looking for bluefin tuna that I'd got the day before that weren't there. They were gone. So that was, and then I found them, I was heading back in about two k's from the boat ramp. This is how things work. Two kilometers from the boat ramp where I drove past the morning in the morning. When you first started. (laughs) When I first started looking and they were there. And like you said before, they, the sonar was just lit up. And in a couple of minutes time, we're going to go through uh, chasing uh, Southern Bluefin Tuna, a bit of the gear and the accessories you'll need. But I'll just go through a bit of my week in on the water. Uh, Crayfish, Pat. Can you give it? Can you give us a bit more pep when you're talking about it? Cause I'll you... give you a bit more. A bit. I'll give you a little bit more. It's it's, it's very flattening to talk about that. <laughs> no, it's I uh, like me when I try and fish for kingfish, and I thought you were going to say after don't catch anything. I thought you were going to say your last game in Queensland. Anyway, do you have to bring that up? <laughs> Soft spot. I said to you, we're not allowed to bring that up ever well, we're again. Not I'm living my life in denial. Fish. <laughs> so we'll start off this uh, last Sunday. I, I said to on the show on the Saturday, the weather gods play play the role for me. I'm going to get in the water and die for craze. And I, uh, I actually had a crap day that day as well. I got my craze, but I ended up having finding clear water where I should have stayed. And I pushed down to your end of the world, and I actually rang you to check if the water was okay. And it was, but it wasn't. The, as I got in the water, it was clear, and then it just rolled. It just turned over in the matter of a second. So I ended up driving 40 kilometres back to Bowen Heads. That's how far <laughs> it is. 
I've got some beautiful crays. I've got a 4.1 kilo cray pat, which I eat during the week. Beautiful to eat. Got some beautiful abalone on the Sunday. They're selling those at um, Coles for about $25 at the moment, aren't they? <laughs> I know they Isn't are. That- <laughs> Everyone used to ask me for craze for Christmas. This year, it's like chicken. <laughs> <laughs> you got any chicken? <laughs> it's like, have you got any chicken? No, no the craze are only 20 bucks now. China didn't want them. <laughs> oh, God. But I, uh, I've, I dived on the Monday also, but I didn't... This is going to sound very dumb, but smart. No, it's just going to sound dumb. I, um, I dived on the Sunday, and... Something you don't do when you dive is you, you think you're in the water, you don't put sunscreen on. And I always do. And before I left, I didn't put sunscreen on. Then I was chasing clean water. So the whole time I was looking and looking and looking. Then all of a sudden we found a bit. So we got in. And then the dirty water came. So we punched back to bow and head. Didn't put sunscreen on my face again. It was 35 degrees, mind you. And anyway, that night, I, hadn't, I haven't done much physical activity. Jamison and myself had a few dates in the past few months, Pat. And I, safe to say I'm very unfit. But I was great. <laughs> under, it was actually afterwards where I felt the, felt the worst. So I was all right in the water. But I got home. I went to bed at quarter past seven. I had sunstroke, something shocking. I thought I was going to pass out. I was hallucinating in my sleep of a night. And I'm just, I made a mind asked me to dive seven o'clock the next morning. I said no. I woke up at 6 30 because I'd slept for nearly 14 hours. <laughs> I woke up and I said to Tommy, all right, let's go again. That night, after I dived well, got some more craze, plenty of craze around, mind you. And my calves, Pat, I could barely. Walk. It's end of the week now, and I am still that sore in my calves. So I'm giving up diving. Well, can I just straighten this up a bit? You know, just <laughs> dispel your complaining. Let's talk about flighty fish. Yep. The sander is lit up. Yep. They're not biting. You're casting out. They're not biting. How do you turn those fish and something that is incredibly frustrating that we all experience at different stages? into a half-decent day where you, where you can hook up and, and catch them. And more, more specifically, this is going to happen to plenty of anglers on, on kingfish, but southern bluefin tuna are in good numbers at the moment. What are the things we need in our boat in order to sort of combat those flighty fish when they're not biting? Last week, it's like the fish listened to the show last week, honestly, because I, say, I mentioned to you, Portland is this close to the kingfish and the tuna showing up. And they turned up, Pat. And once again, they were flighty down that way also. Once they come in their numbers, and hopefully they turn up like they did last year, and when they come in their numbers, they're going to get more aggressive and compete against each other. That's going to be one thing that is going to be helpful. Rougher weather, fishing in the rougher weather, is always going to help at some point. Uh, Is that because you can get closer to the fish or because you're going to deal with less boats out there? Because what we saw last year, it was great early, and then it was mayhem after the first week, because every man and his dog was out there chasing fish. The more boats, they're just going to keep getting pushed down, and that definitely keeps them away. The problem with dirty, uh, with the swell sorry, and fishing rough conditions is finding them can be a little bit harder. And at the moment, the birds aren't on them as such. So I know I was speaking to... We had Zach on the show a few weeks ago, Cross Country Charters. He got all his fish the other day on mirror calm conditions, and he could just see the water bubbling. Anything over five knot wind, whether it's from the north, south, east, or west... You're not going to ever see, see that. that. You, yeah. you can't see it. So that's how he found his fish. And he was trawling a dredge bar. And now a dredge bar, we reviewed this on the show. And if you want to listen to any of our shows, head to our app and you'll be able to listen to literally every single show we've done for the past, who knows how long, Patrick. There's a few up there. So please we were download a bit rusty the app. It was a bit rusty early. A little we bit rusty. You know, <laughs> coming to our own over the last sort of uh, Made it six our months. Own. But we, um, we managed to, um, so he managed to get some beautiful fish on that dredge bar. And a dredge bar acts as a teaser with a lure attached to it. Google it if you are at home and if you want to get the picture inside your head. But basically, it might have eight squid off it. It might have eight lures. And it actually attaches to your rod and you fight that fish 
with your lure hanging off the back of the dredge bar and you'll fight the fish. And that has worked very, very well to pick up the fish if you're not getting bites. How I like to fish them, as you know, is staying off the fish. So when I see those birds working or the fish busting, I head towards the fish, stay away, let the wind blow me to those fish, casting my soft plastics, 6-inch, 7-inch white atomic plazos, I think they are. And also you've got your bungee cast, Pat. You can't beat the bungee cast. Now, elaborate to elaborate on when to use either either, if you see fish breaking the surface, kingfish don't tend to jump out of the water. They'll tail the water. They don't t- tend to jump out, hence why I don't like using poppers with them. Poppers will work on the bluefin because they will hit a lure and fly out of the water with it. Another thing also with them is, back to what I was saying, those subsurface lures, so those bungee casts that we like to use, they work really well. They just sit just under the surface. But if I don't see the fish breaking the surface and I've got the mutton birds and the turns working on them and I'm marking up the fish underneath them, I then tend to go to the soft plastics. And by allowing the soft plastic to sink underneath the birds, and that's when I tend to get my better bites rather than on the bungee casts when they're on the surface more. So you can use both methods there and that should be able to get you a bite when they're a bit flighty. The fish that we're seeing at the moment, they're not one where you need to dust off the Tiagra 50 no. and trawl through them with, you know, basically a Lone Star winch. <laughs> you can have a bit more fun with them. You don't need something that drastic. The gear that you'd be recommending for chasing these fish in the pound line uh, and leaders. Well, I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep uh, one item or the one combo, sorry, on the cheaper side of things, you can buy an Atomic Arrows snapper rod, maybe slightly a bit heavier, maybe go towards the gummy rod more, maybe a 30 to 40 pound Atomic Arrow. You're going to pick one of them up for 130 to 140 bucks, Pat. That's a ripping rod, Atomic Arrows. And most tackle stores will have them. They're probably the mo- one of the most sold rods around the country at the moment, and they will handle one of these bluefin tuna. Now, it comes down to your line capacity on your reels also. So you, they do pull hard. They're a very fast fish. Uh, I, I'm running 5,000 Stratix uh, with, I think, 24-pound braid, so quite light braid. Now, the reason I'm running that is the lighter you go, the more bites that I'm getting, and I'm down to 30-pound, 40-pound leader at times as well. So you can chuck a... I'd go a decent reel. You get away with a pen slammer if you wanted to use a pen slammer 560. That'll work just as well, but I like to have a bit stronger reel because they are fast. I don't want to burn drags out, and I'll run a 5,000 Stratic. You can even go up to a 5,000 Saragossa, and a Saragossa is quite a, I guess, a stronger reel. The Stratic looks more, I guess, um, petite, I guess you could say. They're a beautiful reel, and that's why I choose to use them. They're such a nice drag on them. They're great for the snapper and the likes, but those Saragossas, 5,000s to 8,000s, which you can use on these tuna, right up to 10,000, will handle them really, really well. Then you can go up to the expensive end, and you can talk to the guys, and John Cahill, who we're going to get on the show in a couple of weeks' time to take us through his ebb-type adventures, he specializes in, in surface casting for tuna and kingfish and the likes right around the world, not just the country, the world. And they use some seriously expensive rods, but if you see what those rods can do, pulling GTs out of small areas, and also you don't need to you get you don't need to use them on these school tuna. But if you want a nice rod, you're looking at like seven eight hundred bucks. Samurai Extractor, you're going to get a nice popping rod through that, but they're like seven hundred bucks, Pat, which I don't think you need to buy if you're looking to head out and chase these up to 35 kilo tuna at the moment outside of the Port Phillip Bay heads and even Portland which is sitting around that 35 kilo as well and and don't forget that if you are in looking for a combo to cover kingfish and tuna just to give you one I'd go a 10,000 Saragossa and maybe a reaction rod 
20 to 40 pound at the start and then into an osprey 40 pound which is going to stop pretty much all kingfish and tuna around that up to 35 40 kilos pat that's your weekend fishing a bit of boating and outdoor news uh around the country there's a 5.3 meter long great white shark which is the second largest shark recorded uh in the state which is western australia off cottesloe beach last as in tagged 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 shark yep off Cottesloe Beach last Friday. And speaking of great whites, off lawn, so close to my hometown, uh, a swimmer was followed in from basically the the pier there all the way into the beach by a three and a half to four metre great white shark. And then it all sort of made sense with that sort of appearance of a great white shark in lawn, which we see very few of them, uh, with there being an 18 metre sperm whale that washed up on Fairhaven Beach. So I dare say, Redmond, there's a few more sort of three and a half to four metre great whites because going down and having a look at that sperm whale, um, basically the the first morning it was washed ashore, I took the kids down and there were some mighty chunks off it. What day did you take the kids down? It would have been Monday, I reckon? It was Monday, yeah. Yeah, well, guess what day I dived out the front of Fairhaven Beach? (laughs) Sunday morning. (laughs) Guess what floated past me, I think? (laughs) Bruce. (laughs) I was. It was interesting. The first thing I was looking for was sort of chunks out of the side. Yep. And I reckon if this, if this whale was in Western Australia, then it, there would eaten. There wouldn't have been much left. Yeah, we are we are pretty lucky in terms of the size of the sharks. Was there a lot of bites taken way. out of it? Yeah, there was. Yeah. But the, but they weren't. They were big, and they would have been decent sized sharks. But probably a but, lot of bronzies and makos as well. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought they were sort of around the three meter mark. Not that I'm a um, a shark expert, but just seeing the Having seen some really big big sharks up close, these sort of jawlines didn't quite match up. Speaking of big sharks, and we get a lot of them off New South Wales, but some exciting news for people who are fishing outside of uh, the Bermagui region and Eden region. The fads are now outside of Bermagui. They're all being placed outside of there. Uh, sorry, out of Eden. They're being placed out, out wide, which are going to hold our dolphin fish. But also, some exciting news. There looks like it's gone ahead. There's going to be a fad placed at the north side of the 12-mile reef, which is straight out the front of Bermagui. And everyone follows Trapman Bermagui on social media pages. He posts some amazing pictures, whether it's sharks or traps, footage on his traps down below. And he's a Trapman, hence his name, so he traps fish. And he think, he says the north side of uh, the 12-mile reef, where he puts his traps out during the summer months, holds some of the biggest dolphin fish that he does see. And that's where they're going to put this fad. So that's great news for recreational anglers in New South Wales and right around the country who like myself, travel there and are fortunate enough to head out there and chase some of these beautiful mahi-mahi because they would have to be uh, one of the most awesome chasing, uh, colourful, awesome coloured fish in the sea and awesome to catch. Like they do flips on flips on flips and they change to 14 different colours, Pat. And if you do want to get a photo, a little tip, as soon as you get it in, get that photo because in five seconds to 30 seconds, that colour can be gone. Gone. (laughs) Well and truly. So... Yeah, really exciting news and well done to the New South Wales Fisheries crew. Feel like we're off to a flying start, Redmond. Up next is the Social Club. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge. And don't forget to download the new Real Adventures app. It has all our latest podcasts, fishing news, tips and recipes. And if you send in a question for our Social Club and you're the chosen winner, you'll win yourself a Dometic CFS, CFX rather, ice maker. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. 
Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge celebrating 150 years. Redmond, the countdown for Christmas is on. Last week we started with five different items uh, in the lead up to Christmas. If you need to sort of a stocking filler or you're looking for something for the loved ones and you're starting us off this week with our list of five. Yeah, I'm going to go with something that I got done to my boat recently and I know that you've done the same. And stainless... You copied me, that's why. Did I? You did because I said to you, why would you have a seat box, like a fiberglass well, seat I went box? one and one. I, would one. I went one seat box and one stainless. Go on. <laughs> That's good. I, um, I went one custom stainless uh, seat frame. So basically what I'm trying to say is I can store my cool box under there yep. and Oki strap it around so it doesn't come out. There's so many different methods you can do it. That's the way I've chosen to done it. I chose to, done, chose to do it. And I, uh, I find it... Very important to have this because it clears your deck. Yep. It just clears your deck. Now, I also fit my mad fish bag under there too, and I just run the straps around the the uh, sorry around the uh, the uh, sorry the uh, handles of the back, which works really really well too. So it doesn't take up room because you don't want to be standing over esky over eskies, cool boxes, or anything in the on the likes of your deck when you're trying to catch a kingfish or a tuna pat. There's nothing worse and hold on then you gotta step over it. So clearing the deck and then on the other side of the boat, not that we needed to talk about it, is my uh, I actually got a seat box which has my parachute, my burly cage, uh, my knocker outer, everything underneath <laughs> anything everything underneath there that I'm not using every day, but I'm using every second day. So just to, just to keep it out of the gunnels of the boat so my gaffs are accessible, uh, my sinkers are accessible on the other side, and I'm not fighting ropes off the parachute or ropes off the burly cage, hence why I went one seat box and one stainless frame. Your one next, Patrick? We've got the stainless steel, or can be made of other um, yep. other materials, but we'd recommend stainless steel. It's a silver knob for your steering wheel. Now, you can find these on eBay, and they're around the sort of $25 mark if you just want to clamp it onto your existing steering wheel. But what it does, it enables you to manoeuvre your boat far quicker um, than if you were just rolling your hand around your steering wheel normally. So we found um, one on motoquip.com.au. That was 28 bucks plus your postage. And basically it clamps onto your steering wheel and away you go. Just makes boat handling that little bit easier. Spot on. I don't reckon I'd uh, ever own a boat again without a Pat. The only drama is it when you hit a wave in there right at 12, or we'll actually go right at 6 o'clock when you lean forward, Patrick. It hurts a little bit. <laughs> We're going into the next one, which is your live bait tank. And 90% of boats these days will put a live bait tank in their boat. And I'm talking from the smallest tinnies right through to the biggest boats. And the reason for that is... Do you want to throw something in there, Patrick? I've seen you raise your hand nicely. No, I was just going to say, well, that's fine. But if you don't have one already in your boat, what are the best products in order to retrofit one yep. or something that you can put in and take out? Yeah, spot on. And before I elaborate on that, little just with your tinnies these days, the reason they all have them is to catch and release. When I say tinnies, your smaller boats, I shouldn't say tinnies, is because when you're chasing brim and the likes, Pat, is that uh, they want to catch and release them in competitions. So they're constantly trying to release fish, and that's what a lot of small boats do. They're using estuaries. So get it custom built into your boat. If you can, get a clear screen in front of it because it looks awesome watching the squid in it. But if you don't, <laughs> can't get one put in your boat, St. Marine, just online here, live bait tank, they include their pump, and that's about $350. And you'll go, oh, geez, that's pricey. Don't go buy an $80 bubbler from a BCF or an anaconda unless you're using it for shrimp. 
because they just don't produce enough oxygen and enough flow for your slimy mackerel and your squid. And if you go... Or, There's a use for them. Yeah, but, there is, yep. But it's not for for keeping yep. quite a number of life. No, that's right. Life. You need the flow of water going through their gills. You, it's worth... It, if you don't have one built into your boat, like we said, it's worth spending 350 bucks. Head out there and grab yourself some live bait because there's nothing worse than having a bubbler and all of a sudden you put your 12 slimies that you've worked really hard for to catch, you find a school of kingfish, and all of a sudden you drop your bait in and he turns upside down. So spend the money on getting a live bait tank for your boat. Patrick? Finishing off with a bait board, but one with a drawer that sits underneath it. I think a lot more uh, anglers now are turning their bait boards into rigging stations, and I've always found the easiest way is to have your, all your terminal tackle sort of there, readily accessible, but also um, being able to close it to keep it away from sort of salt water. One of the companies that I really like are ProWave, and for they are a bit more expensive, so they're about six hundred bucks for the for their aluminium version, um, and you do have to then fit it yourself, obviously. But they're a really well made quality product. And it obviously has your drawer sitting underneath it as well. Well, that was number four because we missed number five. So I'm going to say number five quickly, a grab rail in the boat. Sorry. A grab rail. Grab rail in the boat, Patrick. That is a must. Be of The north bank that I've got, and I know your one will have you very, very similar, right where your clears, I guess, meet uh, your windscreen, you have a stainless rail that sits, oh, how far would you say? It's, it's double your knuckle length. So I'd go maybe three inches, Pat, three, four inches. It'll sit off your windscreen and your hand, your mate next to you has something to hold onto. I took big Tommy Driver out, a good friend of mine who is about six foot 900 during the week. And he goes to me, normally I have to hold on outside the boat because I'm trying to reach for things and I get blisters on my hands when I'm traveling to Eden in other boats where the grab rail just sits at his chest nicely Bit, bit below for Tommy, and he holds on nice and tight, and it doesn't give you blisters, and it gives someone their self to brace on, and also on the back of the seats, the back pat. So the North Bank seats are seriously good quality. You can have someone hanging off the, not when I say hanging, holding onto the back of the seat and sitting comfortable rather than trying to hold on to the side of the hull or a rail above your head. You're traveling for 30 kilometers. Your arms are just going to die in the backside very quickly. So there are five for this Christmas. Now let's get to the social club. This is our last week of our Dometic CFX giveaway. Uh, we've got three questions to get through. Chris Tarrant is first up. Red, I hear you talk about finding the current for whiting. On slower tide days, how can you find faster moving water? Chris has been great this year. He's sent in numerous messages and continue to do so. So we appreciate that, Chris. Uh one of my favourite questions and to, to answer, and the answer is very easy. It's about doing fishing smart. So, I, I did a video on Salt Guide a few weeks ago and talked to you about the talked to you guys and showed you exactly where we were sitting on the boat and how a bank was next to us and explained how the, we're on a slow tide. By sitting next to this bank, the water has to rush up, and the easiest way to explain it to you is like sitting your hose in the middle of your road at the front of your house. You put the hose in the middle of the road. On top of the bank, for instance, and where does the water have to go? It has to fall to the deepest part, which is the gutter. And it's exactly where we're fishing for the whiting. So fishing next to banks is always going to be a good place to fish for whiting if the ground's right. And also, fish deeper. Don't fish in that 4 to 6 metres. Fish in that 8 to 10 metres. Go out of your comfort zone. Fish out that 8 to 10 metres, 12 metres. Some marks got in 14 metres when the tides are really, really slow. The deeper you go, the more water flows through and the faster the tide's going to be. And just one little tip on that last one there, fishing your slower tide days, fish the faster tide. 
Don't fish that slow tide in the morning, that incoming tide. Fish the next outgoing tide, which might be four or five knots, where that incoming tide might only be 1.8 to 2.2 knots. So fishing that faster tide, that better tide for the day, is going to be much better in catching more whiting on that day. Next question is for you, Patrick, from Tim, Tim French. Do you have any tips on easing kids into fishing? Trying to get my young nieces and nephews interested in fishing from the boat. Patrick, you've got a couple of, couple of little ones. I do. I think the most important things thing when getting kids into anything is to not force it on them because we all know whenever we force something on kids they absolutely detest it regardless of whether they actually enjoy it or not (laughs) perfect example was George having dinner last night it was his favorite meal and he hated it because we kept mate it's time to eat anyway kids are the same so make it as fun as it possibly can be and then don't try to overstay your welcome with something that you really enjoy. So don't go out there and fish for eight hours. Go out to the pier. Squid fishing. Go f- squid fishing is a great example. And go there for an hour, and after that, it's time to head home, do something fun afterwards. Go to the ice cream shop. At least you can tease <laughs> them with something. And whoever said, as a parent or as an uncle, that they don't bribe their children to get them to do things, I will find you a liar, Redmond. Because well, I'm going to experience this soon. At different stages, it's exactly what happens. <laughs> Andrew Thompson. Hi, guys. I like drif- drifting for flatties in the bay at Port Ferry. Do you have any tips for keeping the boat straight in the drift so you can fish both sides of the boat without the lines going under the boat? Thanks. Now, Andrew, that's a pretty pretty easy question to answer. You don't want your boat to be drifting the way that you're explaining. Uh, so what I mean by that is... You don't want to be drifting with the nose of the boat going in the direction of the wind. You don't, and you don't want it to be uh, going. That's that's how it's going to be going its fastest. The wind's going to be getting caught in the cabin. You want to slow your drift down. So you actually want to, you actually want to drift on the side of your boat. It slows the drips the drift down, and the boat doesn't fly with the wind. So what we're going to do there is, if the wind is a little bit breezy, get your sea anchor out that we always talk about. Your parachute, your drogue, whatever you want to call it. Get it out, and we've reviewed it many a times. 35 bucks from your local tackle store or boating store. I'm sure they'll have it there. Tie it midship. So tie it, I guess, where your, your windscreen is, roughly around that area where your bow rail comes down. Tie it there, and you want to fish out the side of the boat with your engine turned towards the wind, the way the wind's blowing from. That's going to slow your drift down, and you're going to catch more flathead. You're going to have, yes, three people out the side, but you're going to catch more fish because you're going to drift a lot slower. If you do want to drift the way that you are, you're explaining there, keep your steering wheel straight, open up your clears and your hatch at your front of your boat and you will drift straight down if you really want to do that. But what I just explained to you then is definitely the best way to be, uh, to be able to drift for any species, Pat. I'm not just talking about uh, flathead. I'm talking about for a mako. If you set a mako drift out, if you set a squid drift out, Whatever you want to do, you want to set your boat up on the side. You're not going to see the charter boats out chasing snapper off bow and heads there, drifting with the wind with their nose pointed straight. They're going to be drifting on the side. They're going to have most of their punters out one side of the boat, and that's how they're going to do their best to catch more fish. So that there is basically how you set your boat up for any sort of drift fishing wherever you are around the country. Good on you guys. Thanks for sending through your questions. And Chris Tarrant, not the ex-footballer, Chris Tarrant, but your perseverance has paid off, mate. Congratulations. You win yourself a Dometic CFX. Last one, actually, Pat. He does. the. Uh, well, it's the, the ice maker version, Redmond. It's an absolute cracker. After a hot day, you can just crank that up, pour it in, 
So we've I'll, given. I'll have it with me cider. You'd have it. You wouldn't have it. You'd have a beer. Anyway, <laughs> we've got to get to a break. Well, this we've is... given away nine of those thanks to Dometic, Pat. We have wonderful well, prize. Well done, Dometic. That was a uh, thanks for everyone sending their questions in. We've loved it. Terrific. This is Real Adventures for BF Goodrich. They've made a lot of memories in their 150 years, most importantly, driving you to create memories of your own. All aboard for Dometic. From first-time campers to hardcore outdoor adventurers and everything in between, no matter your experience level, Dometic. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard for Dometic. Everything you need for adventures big and small. Our special guest this morning is Brett Ellis from Crash Pad. Good morning, Brett. Thanks for joining Real Adventures. Thanks for invite, guys. A pleasure to be here. Now, talk to us about Crash Pad and the gear that you produce. It's been a really interesting story uh, over the last little while and how it all came about. Um, I guess if we go back six years ago, I was uh, I spent 20 years working in corporates in uh, big corporates in various finance roles and got to that point in my life where I was uh, looking for some different challenges and uh, sort of was uh, keen to, so I guess, explore an area that I was passionate about, which is camping. So, um we came up with the idea of starting Crash Pad, um, and it's just, uh, I guess, over the last six years gone from, from strength to strength. So um, it's a, yeah, it's been a, a hell of a ride, to be honest. It's a bit of a story that um, that I know Aaron can relate with because Aaron's company is Salt Guide, which um, basically produces sort of tutorial videos around Port Phillip Bay, and one of the directors of that is um, in his previous life, Craig. He was a real estate agent, and then. You know, it was a passion for something that was always a hobby that then, you know, through various opportunities, it became, you know, his, his full-time job. And was now that- he hates fishing. <laughs> <laughs> was, that a, was that a big sort of leap of faith to go from something you've been in for a long period of time and then, you know what, let's go into, into outdoors and, and, and building swags and, and, and bloody good ones at that? Yeah, look, mate, it, it was a leap of faith, but um, you know, I've got a pretty simple philosophy. You've got to have a go at things. And, you know, the worst you'll do is fail. And, you know, you've still got your health. You, you, you still you get to fight another day and having another crack. So it didn't really hold any, any fears for us. Um, you know, but we had a pretty clear, I guess, strategy or approach as to how we wanted to sort of set the company up and, and brand the company from day one. And, um, our customers bought in really quickly. Um, and they've been amazing and a huge part of the success of why we've, we've sort of grown so quickly. Now, to take us through a few of your products, you've literally anything outdoors, I guess you could say, from bags to storage to sleeping gear and swags. What makes your product that next level on other competitors, I guess you could say? Particularly given, I suppose, the current climate. <laughs> um, we want to support Australian-made manufacturing, Australian-made businesses, um, you know, certainly um, different stages things are going to be built elsewhere but given what's happening in China at the moment we want to try and what's China? support Aussie <laughs> Aussie made products and, and Aussie products I think what we do really well is um, is our design side um, you know most of the design stuff it's, it's usually ideas that I've come up with I'll be out camping with some mates and I'll have a light bulb moment where I've um, you know I need a bag for something or uh, a mate might need a bag or something, so a little light bulb will pop off, and uh, we'll then come back into uh, to our sort of design shop, and we'll start playing with ideas. And we sort of we focus on doing things that are just a little bit different. Our, our shapes are a little bit different. We use really high quality materials, and we also, um, which is quite noticeable, in a lot of our gear, we we throw a lot of orange at it, which um, 
some people find sort of confrontational that bright orange, but it's um it's worked really well for us, and it's, it's put a really, I guess, distinct DNA into the Crash Pad range of products. COVID has thrown many challenges at uh, Australians and 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 people right around the world this year. What it does mean quite clearly is that Aussies are going to travel around their states and around the country far more than they will look to go overseas, which I think is a great thing because so many Australians haven't really experienced just how great Australia is. Clearly a key part of that is camping and hitting the outdoors. That must be a a really interesting phase for you guys because obviously you build products for exactly that and now we're going to have more people enjoying our own backyards. Yeah, it is, mate, for sure. Look, we've, we've been one of those industries, I mean, that's all from a business point of view, but a broader industry point of view, we, yeah, we've been one of those industries that's really benefited from, I guess, the lockdowns and people looking more internally within Australia for, you know, for their, for their travelling. And I guess it's not, it's not just us that's been going to benefit over the sort of longer term. It's, you know, your, um, your tourism, it's your little milk bars and servos in country towns, it's your local pubs, it's, yeah, it's everything where people start to travel out. So it's going to have a huge benefit, um, you know, hopefully over the next 12, 18 months. Now, I hate spiders, snakes, <laughs> mice, anything like that. Five-star hotel for Patrick. No, it's not. I love camping, grew up camping, parents and teachers, so school holidays was always, you know, <laughs> camping. But one of the things I like is that the swags that you offer, they also come with a, well, essentially a bed that sits off the ground that is more rodent-proof than, than many <laughs> that are in the market, Brett. Known as a stretcher, Pat. <laughs> uh, Paddy, there's nothing wrong with throwing a swag on the ground. The spiders, <laughs> <laughs> the spiders aren't going to bother you, mate. <laughs> so you're saying that the zip, no, yes, we, zips are spider-proof. We, good, good. That's a good start. <laughs> yes, we, we do. Uh, you can get a stretcher. Um, that the swags can go on to get you up off the ground. And I tell you, as a bloke that's getting a little bit older, I, I do value being able to sit on a stretcher at the end of the day and, and uh, take your boots off rather than, than lying on the ground and take your boots off. But, uh, no, mate, the spiders and bugs are all part of the adventure. I'm hearing now. This the <laughs> I don't know if you were trying to have a joke there, Pat, but I think you're back no, right on it. No, I was being serious. <laughs> There's no jokes there, mate. What's the best way in uh, reaching your product? Uh, how, do, how do punters out there go about actually purchasing your items and finding it and uh, being able to take it outdoors and enjoy it? Uh, I guess, mate, the easiest way is probably our website. We, we sort of set ourselves up as, a, as an e-commerce uh, business, so um, the website would be the easiest way. But we do have a few really, really good stockers around the, the country that we've aligned ourselves with. Um, sort of, uh, we're quite choosy and we've aligned ourselves with companies that really sort of buy into what we do and, and the, the broader sort of camping space, so to speak. So, yeah, the website or the, or the stockers would be the easiest way, mate. Website, crashpadgear.com. Crashpadgear.com. Brett, we really appreciate your time in joining us on Real Adventures this morning to talk all things um, the great outdoors. It obviously promises to be a really exciting sort of little period for people travelling around Australia and getting to know our backyards a little bit more. Um, and what better way to We've do it? Not the best backyard in the world, I think. Than a cracking crash pad swag. Brett, thanks for joining Real Adventures. Pleasure, guys. Red's Review for Club Marine. Insure your boat with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call and ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. It's time for Red's Review. A good focus this week. Now, Redman 
We all love camping, hitting the great outdoors. One of the challenging things when camping around beaches or where it's dusty as hell is leaving our equipment on the ground. Um, you've got a bit of a solution for us. Though. I do, and I've experienced this firsthand. I'm not joking. The fridge handled it no worries whatsoever, the CFX, but every time I removed my CFX... Inside, outside, into the car, I ended up with sand absolutely everywhere. This is when you went to Robe. I went to Robe, went to Beachport off the beach there, and it's still coming out now, I'm not joking. So, to look after your gear so it doesn't break and you don't get sand everywhere, it's a simple review this week. It's the Dometic Cool Freeze Fridge Stand. 50 bucks, Pat. I don't think you can get a better bargain for that. And honestly, if you were to jump online to Dometic's website and look at the quality that's gone into this build, it is going to hold Different sizes, obviously, different fridge and the eighty like. kilos. So it holds you. I'm seventy eight. I'll fit on that easy. <laughs> it, it, it seriously is well worth looking into because there's nothing worse than having a fridge that's going to break, and you don't want it to break when you're out on a trip, for example, at Beachport on the sand. So get it up off the sand and look after your gear. So today's review, Patrick, is the Dometic Cool Freeze Fridge Stand, which is only fifty bucks. You can get it online on the Dometic website. Dometic.com.au. That was Red's review. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Need insurance for your boat or jet ski this summer? Get a quote from Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Call or search Club Marine to find out more. Ask for a PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich, celebrating 150 years. Welcome back to Real Adventures for BF Goodrich celebrating 150 years. It's time for Red's tip, and I think it's something that we can all relate to. And those that are new into boating, driving boats, one of the biggest challenges is when you take the leap of faith, Redman, and you decide <laughs> to drive your boat under the trailer for the first time. You Ideally, you don't want to take any chunks out of your gel coat. If you've got a plate boat, go for your life. <laughs> but let's talk about driving your boat onto the trailer, the the height in which you want the water up to your wheels, because it is a bit of a balancing act. If you go in too deep, then your boat has every right. chance that it's going to float off your trail. So getting it right at the boat ramp so you don't have four million people looking at you over summer. It's just easy. Just drive it up. That's how easy it is. Just draw, just, just pinpoint it, aim, go. Of course. Yep. <laughs> no, there is a bit that goes into it. Trim of your engine is very important at ramps. It's like a code saying, just try it. Just try just harder. Just try it. <laughs> oh, thanks, Chief. That's a great idea. I might just try next time. I won't lie to you. That's what I sort of yell at the screen when you're running around on a footy field. Is he even trying? Just try. <laughs> try harder. Uh, all right, back to boats. As your mate is reversing uh, your trailer down, the simplest explanation to give uh, someone when they are reversing their trailer down is the depth. Now, every ramp is slightly different at times, but I'm talking about an average, an average, just an average ramp. You can work off this. So the front of your guard on your trailer. So looking towards the front of the trailer, so where yep. your uh, jockey wheel sits. Once that front of that guard, if you've got uh, two wheels, three wheels, or four wheels, once that front of the guard goes under the water, that means that your midship of your boat is about to go under the water. So this is an example uh, for on your average day. So explain to your mate that's reversing in when they say, how deep do you want it? You say, I want it just above the front of the guard. And I'm not talking about the top of the guard, the front, where it comes down over the arch of the wheel, right down to the front flat piece there. That is exactly where you want your trailer. Now, once he's done that, it's about driving your boat. We'll start with off the trailer for 30 seconds, Pat. Getting it off the trailer once he's reversed it in, it's very important that your engine doesn't hit the ground. Now, 
you want to have your trim so your engine just sits under the water. Now, you don't want to have your engine all the way down because you will hit the ground. You might not hit it as you are on sitting on the trailer, but as you fall off and your boat falls into the water, you will hit the bottom. So trim it so it's just in the water. As you fall off the trailer, your natural shape of the boat, once it comes off, your nose will fall in, your butt will come up, and that's when you instantly trim your engine pretty much all the way down. Depending on where you are and the depth of it obviously plays a role, but trim it down as much as you can on the day. So I pretty much, Queenscliff for example, I pretty much trim mine to to, to near, nearly all the way down. And once that's down, you then have full control of your boat. If you were to leave it trimmed up as you come off the trailer, as I see nearly every second person do at the ramps and they're trying to park on the pier, you've got no control, Pat. You just don't have control when your engine is out of the water. So you're trying to turn the wheel and accelerate and you're getting nowhere. So trim is extremely important to getting off the trailer. But it's also extremely important in getting it on the trailer. So your mate's back your trailer in the exact same way. He hasn't done anything different. He's covered that guard and you're about to drive the boat on for the first time. Now, don't sit on the pier, for example, to the left-hand side and be looking to left. So you're sitting on the pier and you're looking towards where your car is and it's in the middle there between the piers, the ramp, for instance, Queenscliff, if you can picture that. Don't just all of a sudden tack off that pier and get someone to push you off and start aiming for that when you're learning. Go back out, reverse out to the middle of the actual facility Line it up when you're 30, 40 metres away, and then just slowly approach the trailer. In boats, nothing needs to be done super fast. You need to be able to use your acceleration for power. So by using power is actually when you have control. So what I mean by that is when you start to, if you need to turn a little bit, just accelerate a little bit and use the power to turn you around. So that's what you want to do. But like I said, aim it from a long way away. You want to to make it easier for yourself, stand in the middle of the boat if you struggle to work out where the middle of the boat is. Put your left leg to the left and aim your anchor bow sprit up straight to the middle of the trailer and hit it straight. Another tip, make sure your mate's got the trailer straight. Don't have it where it's a slight angle. Make sure he gets it straight because that also makes it easier for yourself as well. You're not trying to turn corners. And once you approach the trailer, as soon as I pretty much hit the trailer, I instantly trim my engine up a little bit, quite a bit. I start trimming it up and my bo- the motion of the boat naturally starts to go up. And it, as it gets close to the end bit, where it's about to stop, right up the top where the roller is, where your winch handle is, it touches that, and my engine would nearly be back to where I started the other way around, Pat, to where I put the actual boat in the water. So starting slow, using power if you need to it. So not just a hard acceleration, just a slight acceleration to turn if you need to turn a little bit. And the biggest tip I can give you, don't turn your wheel big. Don't, if you're slightly off, just turn it one half a turn to the right and your boat will correct that way. If you are slightly off track and you start turning your wheel really fast, you all of a sudden, within a split second, by the time your boat reacts with the power of the engine, you're going to be nearly into the pier and you'll be constantly going back and forward with the steering wheel. So just very small turns, you can sway them back to side if you want to and that'll keep you straight in line with the pier. You go up, you trim your engine, your mate hooks you on, you pull it out, engine goes up and then you're going home with a bag of fish. About as good as Red's tips get. And as usual, you've taken up all the time for the flying gap. So we will leave that for next week. Beautiful work, Redmond. You've been listening to Real Adventures for BF Goodridge, celebrating 150 years. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.